0: I don't know my emotions are weird <laughs> yeah the theme songs
1: for trauma movies i guess just get you in a certain way huh <laughs> they make me all sentimental <laughs> <laughs> they make you pine for that period of time where they made schlocky movies in high schools about like nuclear radiation and i, don't know. I know you haven't seen class of nuclear those high, were the but, day. Uh, so, if you were just listening to that, I was just chatting with Andrew about the theme song from Class of Newcomb High, uh, just because. It'll um, depress you. Yeah, I guess for Andrew, he got depressed. It was a little bit like hearing a song by The Cure. Um, so, we're back on the wages of cinema. And uh, so, this week, we wanted to talk about uh, something that, you know, sometimes can get a little bit overlooked, but it, I'm sure it's a topic that's come up in movie buff circles and things like that. What does it mean if a horror movie is overrated? You know, I mean, maybe it's similar to if you try to describe if any movie is overrated. If a movie can be overrated. They can. Okay. So (laughs) do you mean like in the sense of critical and public consensus that it's just been praised... In your understanding to such a point that it's like, okay, it's not as good as you say it is,
0: I think it's mostly a public consensus more idea. than critical, yeah, okay, because there are horror movies which are well known to the public, and yeah. you would assume that you know the best known horror movies are are the best ones, yeah, but clearly this isn't the case,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you know, there are some movies that I I could classify. I don't I don't want to sound and, like... Uh, and you know what I want to say, too, about the movies that we're going to talk about? I don't know if we would necessarily say they're bad movies, though. Like, even there's one in particular that I have in mind that I I even think it could border on being a bad movie, but I think it still ha- is kind of interesting. But it's just that it's just the perception has been so blown out of proportion. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about.
0: All right. So, uh, remember if you're listening, please don't take it personally. No. And I, I'm going to try not to either.
1: So, you know, I mean, remember
0: it's all opinion and you know, if you have a different opinion, I encourage you to let us know, but yeah, let's get started.
1: Yeah. Let's get started on that. I, um, I, uh, well, I guess a way to start about it is that can we, Do you think that it's possible that movies from the 30s can be considered overrated? Like some of those classic universal horror movies.
0: Yeah, I could certainly say that. I mean... uh... I'm not saying that
1: all of them are. In fact, I think Dracula, in large part because of Bela Lugosi, holds up pretty well. And I would almost thought about if the original Frankenstein might be overrated... Uh, but I but I don't but I decide to back off of that because I think that you know Boris Karloff is so iconic in that movie and there are a couple of scenes that really stand out in that. Like well, uh like the scene where he meets the little girl by the, the pond.
0: Yeah. But I think the universal films I mean they're certainly not the pulse pounding thrillers we expect nowadays. Hmm. Uh but you can't deny their place in history. No, no, no. So it's really hard for a film like that to be overrated. You could say, well, it's it's good if you if you uh if you really consider the time period. I wouldn't say they're overrated though.
1: No, no. Generally I wouldn't either, except that um the one that I sort of had in mind was uh the uh, the original the uh, version of the Invisible Man. Uh with by, Claude with, Rains. With the Claude Rains, yeah. Now I would here's why I would say the thing is I watched this movie a few years back, and uh, it was just something that, it was on Netflix, and I'm like, you know what? I've never seen The Invisible Man before. Let me, I'm going to give this movie a shot. And I just felt bored out of my mind. Mm. Like, I just, if the movie didn't engage me. The story and most of the other characters were pretty dull. Claude Rains is decent in the movie. Of no. course, because he's Claude Rains. We, you know, he's fricking uh, Prince John from Robin Hood, right? And you know, Casablanca, he's Notorious, and all these movies. I mean,
0: you know, and Claude Raines is from great. Notorious.
1: Yeah, so he can't. That guy from, uh, forgive me, uh, I don't Notorious remember Rains.
0: a lot from Notorious.
1: Yeah, but the point is, though, Claude Rains very talented actor, and you know, he has to do that performance of the Invisible Man mostly in like kind of a trench coat. He shows up in people's houses, and it's just his voice which i think maybe that's part of the issue too is that these other actors are just in, uh, in interacting with the special effect hmm. from the 30s which hasn't aged that well among the universal monsters i guess it's supposed to be scary that he's in like a trench coat and uh, yeah you know, but i think around. even
0: by 1930 standards you know <laughs> Yeah. A, a man reveals that he's invisible. No one's going to scream at that.
1: No, it's more about <laughs> that, I guess, because the character... Oh, no, what an
0: inconvenience.
1: Yeah, well, the character in that, uh, you know, he he gets a little bit... I forget if he gets a little bit murderous
0: from that. I, I, I believe he goes crazy from the power.
1: Yeah, he goes crazy, because, you know, who wouldn't if you could go around and do whatever you want and mess with people? But, um... But I don't know. Yep. I just I I don't think that even compared to something like Frankenstein, the Invisible Man is just uh it, it, again part of it is just that I found that I found it a little bit dull, and that um the uh, I don't know maybe I should give it another chance someday. You know what but I, I think? just but I just heard about it put in the same pantheon as Dracula and Frankenstein, and it's not.
0: No, it certainly doesn't have any of the any of the iconic uh imagery of the others no I and mean, when you think dracula you think Bela lugosi when you think frankenstein you think of boris karloff uh i don't think anyone even thinks about the invisible man yeah he's just nobody sees him you know you know what i was thinking <laughs> maybe this is one of those films that needs to be remade
1: hmm, well i'm right. sure it has been remade well, Hol- hollow man was kind of like the Invisible Man for today.
0: Well, yeah, but do you think anybody <coughs> yeah. was ra- is raving about Hollow Man it's a portrayal oh, okay. of invisibility? No, Hollow Man no. isn't a
1: very good movie. But, I mean, what's
0: <laughs> what's the appeal of being invisible? The ability to go anywhere and to spy on anything you want without being seen.
1: Yeah, well, there's also... There's the, <laughs> there, well, there's the whole joke of uh, um, the, uh, you know... Um, the uh the invi- like there was some jo- oh, I it up. there there's a joke about the invisible man and Superman or something,
0: but know? here's the thing like when it, so there were, people I have said it. that you know okay, you give someone a uh, like a choice do you would you rather be, be super strong or invisible? The people who choose invisible stay away from them but the, because those people are usually perverts <laughs> they just want to go into the girls' locker room but uh, but think about I'm voyeurism. Is something that comes up in film every once in a while. Yeah. All right, and what is an audience but a voyeur on everything around? Unseen, unheard from. Yeah. You can make a film that sort of indicts the audience around the yeah. concept of the Invisible Man. You go wherever he goes, you see what he sees. You are implicit in whatever he does. The voy- Yeah, the voyeurism
1: would definitely be a great angle. I think, uh, yeah, you should remake that movie.
0: I will. Good. <laughs> go make your Invisible Man movie, Andrew. Disclaimer. Andrew is not responsible for all the films he claims that he's going to make. <laughs> so what? Actually, yeah. So what film would you suggest if the if the Invisible Man is overrated? What would you suggest as an alternative?
1: Oh, good question. Um, in in uh, like a different Invisible Man movie or another Universal horror movie, or it could uh, be anything? either. Um. Well, I would say that. Um. Again, part of the problem is that if you're dealing with a script that isn't giving you the best characters or the best range of emotions. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein, I think is probably the best of the universal horror movies. Uh, it actually is a very funny movie in parts. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not just about the, uh, I think it, cause it kind of knows that it's a sequel. It's one of the first sequels that is presenting itself like that. One because the, It starts wh- off right where the first Frankenstein left off. Yeah and uh and the characters sort of acknowledge that in one a of way. the
0: first sequels that was better than the original so
1: oh yeah that too um or even the dark the old dark house which i talked about from uh the lot in the two minute movie mile that's a movie that i should have mentioned there has a good deal of humor hmm. um you know charles lawton in that movie is quite funny and uh just the way that the brother and sister interact in that movie is very funny just how uh you know, it seems like you know that they're hiding something and you know that something's coming and it's just the way that they talk right. to each other is very much like oh but there's not like there's what this one scene in the old dark house where um they, they, like the the old woman who's there like asks her husband and the, one of the other strangers that's come there to uh go up to the attic or something to get a lamp and the old man doesn't want to go up there because he knows another person's up there. And he keeps on trying to say, well, maybe we don't need to go get this lamp. <laughs> He's like, well, what do you mean? She just told us to go get
0: it. Yeah, but maybe we yeah, could just say we didn't find it. We're okay. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so let me there are see. scenes like that that I would say either Bride of Frankenstein or The Old Dark House. One of those
0: two. All right, cool. Well, I'm uh, now, now. let I'm, me weigh in on something.
1: Now, yeah. What? Which period do you want to go into? Let's start with the '80s. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you know what? In the '80s will be good because I have another movie from the '80s. So okay. This will be good. So
0: 1979, Halloween. Okay. All right. Uh. 1978. 1978. Yeah. You sure? I am pretty sure. Nice. That's why I, I, That's I, why I've I memorized. I memorized
1: John Carpenter's filmography pretty thoroughly.
0: So yeah. Great job. Thank you. So <laughs> Halloween comes out. Yeah. It births an entire genre.
1: Well, pretty much. I mean, yeah. it,
0: it's got, it has its precedents. Yeah, it's got it, it's. The, there it, are it doesn't Diallo exist, in, it that doesn't are exist in a covers. vacuum. Yeah, but I mean, there's a certain kind of film that starts with Halloween. Oh, oh, for sure. And none of them are as good as Halloween. The <laughs> least much. not as good as Halloween, in my opinion, is Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, now why do you think this is the least? When when you say when
1: you say least not good, you mean the worst. Oh well, alright, maybe not the worst,
0: but I think Nightmare on Elm Street is the most disappointing um, and most overrated. Which, because because well, of the characters? Not j ju- I don't think it's because of the characters. I would say there are too many characters. Hmm. There are too many there are too many children think, we have to go through to get killed.
1: I, I think that they keep it pretty compact though. I mean they have um I ultimately I think they only kill like three kids in the movie. Maybe it's because of all the buildup.
0: But the. uh, Well, I was talking about Wes Craven last time we were here. And I say, I don't don't really. I think the the film I like of his the most is uh, Scream. Okay. Now. Dwight Craven, his strength, I said, was concepts. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, as you mentioned in Two Minute Movie Mile, great concept. A, an entity who kills people in their sleep. You die yeah. in a dream, you die in real life. That that's is, a great idea. That's pretty much like the best
1: pitch in like modern horror movie history.
0: Right. The problem comes off in the execution. Mm. it's It doesn't seem like there's a great deal of buildup. Like, how, how are we in, raising? In how the are set we,
1: pieces? I feel like those set pieces are pulled off pretty strongly yeah but like I mean you have like the the whole opening where the girl is down the boiler room and you know she sees like the sheep go by like these these it feels like a horror, like a nightmare you would have
0: but I don't feel like they raise the stakes enough. It's mm, like in, we, in it's like we're going through a a list of people each one of whom gets killed. That well I mean that is part of it, yeah. And and I and I don't mind people getting killed. It's just like oh, well this one died. This one died. This one died. All right, you're next. What what um, how are we raising the stakes and making things more exciting? Well, here?
1: you do. I think well they kind of kill off the two people that you don't really I won't say you won't care about them, but you don't know them as well. I, we first. know
0: we know the person who's going to be killed last is the main character.
1: Yeah, well, Heather Langenkamp turns out to be... Well, I, well, I, one interesting thing, though, to me is that the movie starts off not with Heather Langenkamp. It starts with... I forget her name, but she was like the blonde teenager. And yeah, at first you think she might be the main character, but then it transitions into really being this dark-haired girl who... um. You know i the I, one thing I will say it's a little bit silly about the movie is that her mother is a total walking cliche. It's like she basically spends the whole movie drinking and like she keeps pulling out bottles from like <laughs> that she hides in the house, yeah, and uh' is like. I blocked all the doors. You can't get out. And it's like, why are you being such a bitch? Yeah, you know that that part of movie you know, P- because people you, are dying here. Yeah, and you and you actually, you know, she's the one that does explain what's going on. The fact that Freddy, uh, you know, kill, you know, was killing all these children. Uh, here's the other thing, though. Freddy Krueger. Okay.
0: Okay. He's a good character. He plays like, a boogeyman. Yeah, but he's not. Although that's why I, I do, think separates not, him a little bit from he Michael has, Myers. He has personality. That's great. And I don't have a problem with that. Uh, what I do f- have an idea, and I don't want to be pedantic, but I want to, I want to ask like, Freddy Krueger, he gets burned by everybody, and all of a sudden he declares, "I'm going to kill your children in your sleep," and all of a sudden it works that way. Mm. Under what? But well, they wouldn't. Well, <laughs> what? They, like, so they if don't, he was like, so they super... don't,
1: so they don't explain well enough.
0: he can do that no but i i don't think uh, you don't have to explain it either but if you set it up in a good like like oh maybe he's a spirit that does that sort of thing or but or maybe he's like a supernatural entity but no he's just a regular murderer who says yep this is what i'm gonna do and it happens i i feel i think that they
1: ended up explaining a little bit better in the later movies somehow well who cares by that uh, yeah i think that the idea too is that Freddy feeds off the fear of these kids. I think they well, explain yeah, but that a little bit in the movie. Does
0: a regular person feed off... I, I don't want to So be, there wasn't I, enough
1: logic to it, maybe, to make it... I
0: don't I don't well. think he needed more logic. I just think he needed a different way to look at it. I mean, if every murderer who vowed, vowed revenge on people suddenly came back as a vengeful spirit like the ginger dead man, then... <laughs> Alright, Nightmare on
1: Elm Street's a better movie. I we watched the Ginger Dead Man. That yeah. movie was bad. That movie was right, it's, really just, bad. it's the most
0: tenuous of premises. I vow revenge, so that means I'm going to come back and kill your descendants or something. It's something that pops up over and over again, even in like the crappiest what, of, of well, horror films.
1: Well, they mentioned well, that was actually well, they bring it up on in that documentary I was telling you about, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think part of the concept, which I think is pretty effective, is that you know, visiting the sins of the parents upon the children or that sort of thing. Um, you know, you, you are all, uh, I don't know. Um, I think the execution of it is, is still pretty effective. I think again, there, there are, there are still some logical things that keep it from being like a better movie than it should have been. Like, like, there is a sequence where uh, Heather Langenkamp wants to prepare for uh, to bring Freddie out into the real world, right? And she basically sets up, and she mentions, "All right, in twenty minutes, make sure to come here and wake me up or, or do this thing." She sets up in a very quick amount of time her house to be like booby trapped, right? That seemed a little bit on. Un- I, I I didn't uh, say that like, well with And that.
0: how did she know she'd be able to pull Freddy out of the dream world and into the real world? And how come when she kills him at the end, he's not dead?
1: Well, I think well the ending leaves him oh it's a little bit open ended, I
0: think. No, it's pretty clear that he's not dead. Hmm. <laughs> he pulls what? the mother through the front door window for God's sake. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, the, the little mother that looks like a plastic doll. Yeah. Um I, you know what? You know what? It it's is just, too, about, you know why I like this movie is I think I can forgive a lot of stuff if I think the actors are really convincing. And for me, I feel like Wes Craven upped his game with the cast. I think Heather Langenkamp was really believable. Johnny Depp—it's his first movie, but he's already really solid. Robert Englund—I mentioned that he's really scary as yeah. this guy. So I think that helps out a lot for me.
0: I just, for me though, when you have a story this vague and. You, mm. you don't sufficiently raise the stakes, then it doesn't do it for me. I, uh, I like story.
1: Okay, I think the movie has some story. It just al- you know what it does? It doesn't have no. A, it has story. It's, it's just missing logic. A,
0: it's not. It's not a well structured story. As N- an alternative to this,
1: N- uh, Dream Warriors.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> which is the uh, which is
1: like often regarded as like the best later sequel.
0: period of horror film history. Nineteen nineties. Instead of watching Nightmare on Elm Street, watch Candyman. Okay i love candy man it's a, it's I, a very f- good movie you, you think when you're w- gonna watch candy man it's gonna be another slasher like nightmare on elm street or something like that and it has some similarities about you know these sort of dream legend figures the candy man this guy who's mm-hmm. like an urban legend but it goes and it's so much more than just stab stab guts guts was clive barker involved with that I believe. I feel like maybe he was.
1: Let I me check know. on that really fast, because I'm now. This is gonna. Uh, because Candyman
0: is about yeah you know, this urban legend figure, you know, say his name three times and he'll appear and kill you, which is apparently some people something people keep doing. <laughs> oh, he wrote the story. Okay, that this is based on. Okay, but it's also weirdly it's about race. It's yeah. about uh, the yeah, power doesn't, of doesn't, legend.
1: Doesn't some of it, yeah, like... It's about fear. I feel like some of it took place in, like, the projects or something. Yeah,
0: it, it's a great deal of it takes it takes place in the yeah. projects.
1: Yeah, and of course, Tony Todd, you know, he's uh, he's black... We in case you <laughs> okay. didn't know it, folks. Obviously, whatever. But and also uh, lifted up very much by that Philip Glass score. Oh,
0: that is such a great, very score. very
1: chilling. I had forgotten how good that score is.
0: And the ending of Candyman. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's something weird about that where I need to see the movie again to again. Uh, it's been a while. Right. There's some there's something weird about the ending where you f- you feel like there is somewhat of a defeat, but it is kind of uplifting in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't explain it. You might know what I'm talking about if you've seen it, but this is just a film that just takes you by surprise. That it's, It goes far above the slasher material that you know, it starts with, and then it goes into a completely new area of horror.
1: Well, I think that it... Um, and I don't think this is that much a spoiler, per se, because if you look on the poster, it kind of just says it. Um, this movie has a lot of bees. Yeah. And I think bees are a little scary because they are these little things that you know, can really hurt you, yeah. especially if there are a lot of them. That's why as a side note, um, I I think I told you about that movie, Jupiter ascending and part mm-hmm. of that movie. There's just like bees. this one sequence where, yeah, where, uh, you know, Neil Kunis goes to see Sean Bean and he has all these bees and I'm just like, Oh God. And like, it took me out of the movie because not just,
0: the bees,
1: not the bees. Um, no, it's more in that movie. It's more like, why the bees? And that's that's <laughs> me Ques asking questions, which he does throughout the only. <laughs> but I, it took me out of the movie because I was watching it and thinking, oh, I feel really nervous for these actors. <laughs> uh, like, they must be getting and Tony stung Todd, up all over he, the place. Has,
0: he had to go through a lot of bee prep in that film. Oh, he had I'm bees sure. in his mouth, yeah. bees all oh, over God. his chest, all over the place. I and mean, He must have gotten stung like tw- two, two, 200 times.
1: I, I mean, like, I... You know, bee sting isn't the worst thing in the world, but it does smart, man.
0: Oh, I've I've been stung under the tongue. Oh! It's awful. Oh, God. How, how'd that happen? Did It'll, it get in your mouth? It was in a can of soda that I drank from. Oh! <laughs> All right, but that's not the oh, point. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so just, instead of Nightmare really on Elm Street, yeah, go Candyman. watch Candyman. It's not a bad movie, but if going... Y- I'm sorry. And uh, and by the soundtrack, too. It's actually really awesome.
1: Yeah, that's a movie I have to revisit. And, of course, for Tony Todd, he's one of those horror figures that's just like, what a great voice. Yeah, I know. You know, like people, you know, Keith Keith David's kind of the the king of the, you know, really cool, deep black voice. But Tony Todd's
0: right up there. Yeah, he should be getting a lot of... Animated work,
1: yeah, or doing ads for the Marines or something, like <laughs> <laughs> like Keith David does. The Keith David's um,
0: got that sewn up. You can't you can't dethrone yeah, him. Yeah,
1: I guess so. Um, now, but talking about slashers, all right. So you talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, but I think that pl- place should be reserved for uh, the original Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, which yeah, is a movie that which is a movie that I own still, and I'm sure that maybe someday I'll watch it again. But even when I was really deep, when I got you know, when I was like thirteen or fourteen, around that age. Now, school, now, just to
0: clarify, you're saying Friday the Thirteenth is is overrated, the original.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: I mean, for
1: I the totally status agree. the status that it has. You know, and again, I know that I don't think Friday the Thirteenth is as revered as Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, I'm, I, but I mean, on, it depends on who you talk to. But there I are mean, people who made, do look at it as a slasher classic.
0: But Jason is no less iconic than no. than Freddy Krueger or mm-hmm. Michael Myers. Now,
1: of course, you know one of the big trivia questions in Scream: name the killer on Friday the Thirteenth. Remember, it's not Jason. It's Jason's mother. Yeah. Because Jason wasn't
0: it's the not until the sequel. It's not a spoiler because it's history.
1: No, pretty much, <laughs> um, but. Even still with that, I mean, they build up a lot with the, uh, you know, in Halloween, the whole opening was uh, from the killer's point of view. Right. You know, and, he tur- and all of a sudden, the surprise is, oh, my God, it's a little kid. And that, too, you know, that was a very powerful moment in that movie. Here, you know, they make that mystery thing throughout almost all the movie.
0: Well, they rip off the opening sequence of Halloween oh, pretty definitively. God, they do, man. Uh, all the oh. way to the watching people have sex and then the stabbing.
1: yeah. It's so blatant, and it makes you feel, especially if you watch Halloween first, and you don't know that it's ripping it off. Yeah. You know, it it, it feels a little dirty. And also, again, the characters are just, I can't remember a single thing about any of the characters in that movie. Yeah. except I know Kevin Bacon's in the cast. Um, I remember
0: the way Kevin Bacon dies. Not bad. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: that That's a pretty interesting death. Yeah. Isn't it like the arrow through his throat? Yeah. From
0: under. I mean, the whole here's movie. The, here's the thing that I, that I love about that scene. Yeah. Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend, they go into a boathouse to have sex. Yeah. Now, someone's already died, and we find out later on that that person has been dead above them. Yeah. While they've been having sex this whole time. Yeah. But then you also find out the killer has been underneath them while they've been having sex this whole time. <laughs> because no one came in or went out during that entire scene. Yeah, they were just a death... very
1: patiently waiting for this
0: very gruesome death. It's a death sandwich. <laughs> kind, of, kind of artistic in a way. I I will give the movie that but still it's not a very good movie.
1: No, and I, I think it's it wouldn't bother me so much if All right, cuz also so a lot of the Friday the 13th sequels, they're kind of regarded as just like there is an audience that will look upon that looks upon them fondly because they were young when they came out. And I admit when I wa when I was young and I was dumb and I watched I watched all the Friday the 13th movies and generally speaking I thought, "Oh, this is kind of cool. Lots well, of that's, a, that's right. a cool death." Um, in the, like, Exposed breasts. Lots of breasts. That's, that's a big thing. Lots of <laughs> boobs. You know, starting with that first movie. And interesting because that's one thing that, you know, again, you talk about that exploitation factor. A lot yeah. of people will not call Friday the 13th an exploitation movie. Maybe in part because they would look at those as being more from independent studios. But that's what Friday the 13th is. And, um, you know, and it's... Um, I don't know. It's just not a very memorable movie. And when they finally do reveal Jason's mother, Mrs. Voorhees, Betsy Palmer is a bright spot because she does do a pretty good job as just like a psycho mother with all these. It
0: is like a reverse psycho.
1: Yeah, in a way, yeah, because... It's,
0: uh, it's Friday the 13th just ends up being kind of this weird pastiche of horror films. Yeah, and, and... Halloween, which it rips off most blatantly, but then it also takes a lot of cues from Psycho, and...
1: It has one... Uh, it has, And, of course, the, the the thing that a lot of people remember about is just a jump scare. And we talked about in the Innocence review about how much jump scares are just kind of whatever.
0: Uh, can you think it of another... It doesn't take a lot of skill to startle people
1: yeah well, I mean, I will admit that when she's in the boat at the end, do you think most people seeing that movie for the first time will expect that a zombie kid Voorhees pop popping out?
0: I uh, when I first saw that clip on a TV special, I certainly didn't see it okay.
1: oh, so you were spoiled by that before you even watched the, the yeah. movie,
0: but I mean, technically, it doesn't even make a difference, but yeah, and then of
1: course, you know you have to then take the sequels, all the grain of salt that. Okay, so the first Friday the Thirteenth movie. Talking about chronological things, you know, that's something that James Rolfe talked about a lot. Yeah, it's in the massacre. So, I'm I'm led to believe that so originally the events of Jason dying, uh, not you know not being paid attention to are in like the early '60s or '50s. I think it's 1958, huh. and then you jump ahead 20 years, and it's supposed to be modern day. But then. The sequel, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Jason's now a grown-up guy in you know with the the potato sack over his head, but that's still present day. I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess they know that people.
0: Probably I, I wasn't care. really interested in, the, in any of the sequels.
1: All they care about, again, it's all an excuse for you know showing lots of boobs and showing lots of deaths. And, and that's
0: why the remake of Friday the Thirteenth is worth seeing.
1: Does it have so because of as better characters?
0: Well, better characters, yes. It's still not great in terms of plot, I but still I mean, thought it wasn't as memorable. It's, it's certain, way. it's certainly more concise. Mm. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, if you I if you
0: spent, I maybe this is a sort of comparison thing where if you see them back to back, you see the differences and you can appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I can I can understand seeing Friday the Thirteenth remake and being like, eh, that was nothing special. Yeah. But and you know it, it's nothing special. But if you to... compared them, that means mm-hmm. technically the, the the remake is better. To
1: um to give you a different recommendation though, um and this just popped into my head in the past ten seconds. I I wasn't sure what to recommend at first, but um it follows the new uh, movie from David Robert Mitchell. You um, yeah
0: you praised this thing to I, the last I I time thought this about
1: it. this was an awesome movie. This is uh this takes the slasher genre in a direction that is just really inventive. And you talk about concept, this is like a great concept. Um, it's funny cause recently there was a very long interview with, uh, Quentin Tarantino and he talked about how he liked it follows, but had a lot of problems with its execution and some of its logic. Huh. And when I was reading his points on it, I'm like, you know, I feel like we saw different movies cause I didn't see those problems <laughs> at all. You know, I, I, I saw, you know, some good logic going on again, certain things of a horror movie do have, you know, I took a couple leaps of disbelief with it, but for the most part, that's a movie where, you know, again, with that, there's no killer you know, that you see. That's kind of like the Invisible Man, so to speak, uh. of sl- to bring it back to the Invisible Man. That's our Invisible Man of the year crossed with a slasher movie. Huh. Um, if you think about it, because it's a demonic supernatural entity that either it will take the form of someone that you think is uh, just some person who's walking by and you don't know who that is. But then there are a couple, there's one or two points where all of a sudden it's like an invisible being. So you could say that maybe the rules aren't completely followed, but one thing that I can say about it follows, unlike any of the Friday 13th movies is better characters. You actually care about these people. You know, maybe there's a little bit of dialogue that almost feels like it's a kind of an indie drama, but I like that. Give me some good characters. Yeah. So I can care about these people. That's why the original Halloween is still effective because of Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie, which, um, and my and I should add, by the way, when I watched that documentary, uh, that Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue, they go into a lot of depth about Halloween in a really interesting way, talking about the tropes of why, you know, Jam- like Jamie Lee Curtis being the one alive and like J- John Carpenter talks about how certain critics, not all of them, but certain critics attack the movie for... You know, killing all these women babysitters, and he was like, "Well, that was the story. I mean, where babysitters going to do? They're going to talk about their, you know, sec, you know, their boyfriends. They're going to maybe have a little bit of fun. Maybe one or two of them will do that, but Jamie Lee Curtis is the one who doesn't really get have fun." And it's not because I'm out there to try and make this message of oh the virgin must li- right. fight to another day. It's because the
0: one who's not distracted is going to be paying attention and be <laughs> yeah, and, and she really kicks be her, able and to she, run away. And she
1: really fights back in like the last part of the movie and uh, and uh, oh, another cool thing to mention since we've been talking about slasher movies, um, I recommend for all of our listeners to check out this uh, a video which I'm, I'm sure is still on YouTube. Um, where Siskel and Ebert did this video either in 1980 or 1981, which, where they looked at, uh, we'll put women, it on the Facebook page. Yeah. Women in movies. And it looks at the slasher genre and, uh, how they were so appalled by all, a lot of these crappy <laughs> remakes of, uh, Halloween
0: yeah.
1: and you should watch it sometime. Um, all right. So, um, what other movie did you want to talk about? All right. Let's, because this is all where right, listen... we're going to, I'm going to.
0: This is where you're going to give it to me. Yeah. All right, I'm not doing this to cause trouble. It's all right. No, 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 no. Um, I'm uh, interested in your reasons. <laughs>
1: I'm, 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 I'm upping my, I'm exaggerating my displeasure with this thing. Okay.
0: Part of the reason may be that this film was really built up for me. Okay. Uh, when I heard of Suspiria for the first time. Dario Argento. Dario Argento. I, I, like, I had never heard of anything like it. And I, I was kind of excited to see it. Yeah, I just happened to buy a used copy in a in a video game store, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna finally see Suspiria. And part of the problem is is that it's not what I expected. Okay, and that's maybe not you're, fair. Yeah, so maybe you could return
1: to this movie someday and get something different.
0: Out but it. here's why I think Suspiria is overrated. First of all, I find Dario Argento to be v- very overrated. Hmm. I, everyone talks about him as like uh, as a master of Italian horror, and he does great stuff with visuals. He has great use of color. Suspiria is full of you know these very vibrant primary hmm. colors, which I love. Hmm. It's his plots are garbage. <laughs> every I, every I every garbage. Dario Argento film I've ever seen boils down to violent elaborate deaths and a TV detective movie plot. <laughs> Here, here i would say it's
1: superior at least the setting makes it a little bit different
0: the setting makes it a little bit different but it ne- but it never really gets to it's like one murder happens they don't necessarily build up to one another it's like it's the same problem i had with another film called blood and black lace we talked about this yeah
1: which i still haven't seen
0: yeah the the killings just happen in sort of a uh a you like a utilitarian order, this person must die, this person must die, you this person must die. And we don't really learn much from from death to death or get or gain any sort of plot points that are really significant, which well,
1: what I would say with Suspiria that's a little bit different than some of the other Argento movies I've seen. Um I feel like I I got enough with the Jessica Harper character she was the main you know she's the american that comes to this italian ballet school i feel like i got enough with her that i was able to care enough what happened to her and that's something that is a problem with some of our yeah but do you
0: care about anybody else in the film Um, i i don't care particularly about any of her roommates or any other thing there is a i forgot that udo Kier is in this movie yes (laughs) a young udo Kier, i should mention yeah, but I mean, do we do we really care about any of the other people in the ballet school? Or is there any really reason why it has to take place in a ballet school? I think
1: because they're it just... you know what I think originally I, I gotta I wanna make sure if I get this done this trivia piece right. I think that the script originally Oh yeah. Okay. Uh Dar Jar Argento's original idea, I'm reading this. Uh, was that the ballet school would accommodate young girls not older than 12. However, the studio and the producer denied his request because a film this violent involving children would almost certainly be banned. And so he raised the age limit to the girls to 20, but didn't rewrite the script. Hmm. So that's why a lot of naivete of the characters and there's some childlike dialogue are like that. So I think he wanted to make kind of... I think from what I've read and heard about the movie, he was really like inspired by fairy tales. Like I think Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs of all things was, was I, I think his main were, influence on those, the movie. Those
0: were a visual sort of cue, Okay, but it doesn't. Well,
1: I <laughs> mean, if you, you have a place that has all these girls and it's not like a sorority. Well, you know, they are doing things that are visual because they're dancing. He gets to move the camera around a little bit more. Um,
0: all right, but this is the thing I brought up with blood and black lace. Blood and black lace takes place in a, in a, in a, in a not in a fashion, uh, in a fashion school. Okay. What if? What about Suspiria? What if you just switch those, and within the plots, if like, it was a fashion school? Yeah, I mean, like, what difference would it make in terms of plot?
1: I think that, like, what, I think maybe there's there's a different skill level, maybe. What you know, you to be fashioned <laughs> fashion and dancing? No, but I mean... You you know, s- dancing that... can be intense. I mean, you saw Black Swan. Yeah, why you're absolutely have, right. Why did that have to take place in a
0: ballet school? Well, because it was about, <laughs> it was about aging dancers and about the, Okay, uh, the so now, I will admit, of... obviously, Black Swan is about more than Suspiria. I, but it's interchangeable. Like, I said about Blood and Black Lace, I, why couldn't it take place in a bakery? It would have just been just as I, significant.
1: What I would say, though, is that for Suspiria, to me... You know, you might say, oh, it's just style over substance. But I feel like in that case, almost style is the substance, in a manner of speaking. There's just such a rich texture of colors and camera work and music that it's just, you know, that that kind of takes
0: over for me. And there are some things I love about Suspiria, like the colors. Like when you see blue, it's really, really blue. Yeah, when you see (laughs) red, it's very red. Yeah, and when, when that school catches fire... It, you know, it burns like a, it burns like a tinderbox. You yeah, know, yeah. it looks great. And there, there are just something, some images in there that are really scary. And there's and there's this yeah. one and there's this one murder that gets drawn out. That's kind of suspenseful. Mm-hmm. But when you look at all the packaging around it, I mean, you said style is the substance. Well, it certainly needs a lot more style to stand <laughs> on its own. I would say going back to when you were
1: saying that uh, Argento, like he's revered as this master and you almost don't get that in and of itself i would say that with him he he had a period where he was really on top and he was just like this filmmaker who's like all right i'm gonna immerse you into uh you know looking at things in a particular way and i'm gonna force you to watch my movies in a certain way where it's like okay the camera's moving all the time goblin on the soundtrack is gonna Mm -hmm. really amp things up for you with tension and different sense of things. Um so he had a period where he was hot with movies like Suspiria and Deep Red, which I, I recommend Deep Red by the way, highly to you if you want to see an alternative. Um right. that has David Hemmings from uh, Blow Up. Okay. And uh you know, then you have movies like Tenebre, which I talked about on the show uh a while back, Inferno, uh Phenomena. Were you were, did we watch Phenomena together?
0: No. You, weren't there you keep for that. thinking that I've seen phenomena with you <laughs> I like to implant you into my memories it makes
1: you know it makes better friendship
0: hey remember my bar mitzvah Andrew yeah I was so I didn't even know so you, you.
1: Did, so you didn't see phenomena or opera
0: I did see opera
1: okay opera All
0: right. but I mean that's another thing opera what about what about the opera setting makes it necessary because it's freaking opera he just <laughs> he just throws in these different locales like Oh, it takes place in a ballet school. Whatever it takes place in an opera. Whatever so those murder scenes marvelous. could take place anywhere. They're interchangeable. I, well, I will. It's I like will what admit- I said. He takes out like a form. And it's like okay, serial killer have with blank. Take murders take place in blank. Uh, uses blank to kill people. I guess just I don't know. I now I will say this. I
1: don't think he's he's not in my mind. He's not as revered a horror master as some other people make him out to be. In large part because he's an example of a filmmaker and he's not alone. There are other filmmakers like this who had a period where he was really on fire. And then in the past, like 20 years, he's just completely fallen into crap. Like in Matt and, you know, in varying degrees, like I said, I talked about the card player and I said, that wasn't that bad. a movie, even though again, the premise is about mm-hmm. <laughs> poker, a, a poker loving serial killer.
0: Um, then, oh, not necessarily. Uh, he does some of those things are interesting like their opera some... is has some very interesting premises like the the victim cannot close her eyes i guess
1: so that you part of your problem too During is these that murders i guess part of your problem too is that for me yeah i could say that the story is not as strong as the direction but are set pieces enough
0: no they're not
1: okay See, I think for in the case the set of pieces Suspiria are great. and Deep Red, the, those set pieces are so good that they elevate the material. Now, again, I'm not going to say that like, Suspiria is like the best horror movie ever or ever, but I'm just trying to defend it more on, you know, just looking at it in a tactile sort of way. It, it improves. All
0: right. Well, I see where you're coming from. All
1: right. So, what would you
0: recommend in place? Of I would suggest Demons, another Italian Oh, really? Horror yes. That, that story isn't that great. <laughs> And uh, that is an, it's an entertaining movie. It's a, here's he, I, I recommend The Spirit. But you, you think to demons, why? All right, because here it is essentially a zombie story. Like it's people like uh the story is like oh demons are possessing people and, and you know they're killing all the people in this movie theater. And you know you get bitten by a demon you become a demon. It's right. it's a zombie story. Yeah. Uh but it's I it's relentless in that it takes place all in one theater during a set amount of time. Things get progressively worse. The stakes keep getting higher. It's all about trying to escape from this place. It's a hell of a lot more compelling to me than the sort of whodunit set piece theater of Suspiria. Mm. Well, it and it's got some pretty, pretty cool special effects. Mm. Yeah.
1: By the way, I should mention that one thing that differentiates Suspiria Two is that uh, it's a like kind of Suspiria Two. It... No, 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 no. <laughs> all right, well, sorry. Bad joke. is that usually again a lot of Argento's movies? It's the guy with the black gloves and the knife who's going after women. This is a coven of witches. Yeah. So maybe there's what difference a, does it you make? You could say there's like a feminist element there.
0: Eh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know it's a coven of win- a coven of witches until the end. It could have been anything at the end. Mm. All right. I'm, all right. I, I've so had all right, all right, all right. I st- I stand by demons as being better than Suspiria.
1: Blasphemer! No
0: I'm I think Dario right, Argento produced *Demon*. Anyway. He, he produced and wrote it actually. He didn't direct it. Wow, that's he, weird. Yeah, he was he was the guy. I guess he, if he does different things that aren't necessarily serial killers, then you know he yeah. can do better.
1: Well, the interesting thing too with him, by the way, um, he was instrumental in uh George Romero's *Dawn of the Dead* right. being made. I like, gotta give him that. Yeah, I mean he kind of helped produce that. I think Romero actually wrote the script in Argento's apartment. Yeah. and uh, and they're actually different cuts of the movie. Um, in a quick, uh, you know, I talked about different continuity things with movies. Um, so in Italy, uh, Dawn of the Dead was released as Zombie, right? Uh, and that was Dario Gento did his own cut. It's a little bit shorter than the American release, and it has a lot more goblin music. I've seen it. It's 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 all right. It's a little bit. They try. He makes it a little bit darker. Than like, uh, the American cut, like, he includes a couple of scenes. Wow, darker that, like, than
0: the American cut?
1: Well, there are a couple of scenes where the drama with the characters is a little bit more elevated. I think he cut out, like, a couple of comedic bits right. here and there. So, in Italy, so on average, so, darker. So, yeah, so in Italy, Zombie comes out as Zombie. Then Lucio Fulci makes Zombie, wh- that we know as Zombie. But in Italy, it's, zombie it's a too. rip-off of Dawn of the Dead, so it's Zombie 2. yeah. Then uh, in the '80s he makes Zombie Three. So in the U.S. we have Dawn of the Dead, we have Zombie, and then we have Zombie Three. Yes,
0: (laughs) it's it's a mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, Zombie Three, by the way, is absolutely garbage. You want to talk about? That's that's a that was a that was a zombie movie that I watched one day with like a friend of mine years and years ago. And we were just looking for like a decent zombie movie to watch, and we were just like flabbergasted with the lack of quality. Um, oh jeez! And uh, all I remember about that movie is that there was like a radio DJ that would intermittently come in and like narrate parts of the movie. And uh, <laughs> uh, and Lucio Fulci is someone who we could talk about another time. That
0: uh, well, I got I have two of his movies that I have to see. I will be very curious to hear about those. All right, now so
1: um, last movie for me, we jump ahead a little bit. Um, and, uh, so this is a movie which I actually did like quite a bit when I first saw it, uh, Paranormal Activity. Mm. And yet, now, over time... Now, I have not
0: seen a, a Paranormal Activity, but I'm not in the mood to rush out and see it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this was the start of a lot of flood of these kind of movies. Now, again, this wasn't <laughs> the first found footage movie, of course. I mean, no. that goes back to Cannibal Holocaust, and then... Blair Witch Project was the one that sort of blew up. Uh, the last broadcast. The oh, God, the last broadcast. <laughs> I gotta oh, watch. that movie so bad. Wasn't that about the Jersey Devil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to have a meltdown about the last broadcast. I feel like
0: I should watch that again. I mean, it's not a good movie, like no. you said. No. But there are things I like about it. I
1: mean, uh, I,
0: heck, I, I like parts of the Blair Witch Project, too. I think Blair Witch prod Oh, no. Do
1: you think that... You don't think that's overrated, do you? Uh,
0: I don't think it's aged well. I think that, for me, I think, I, right, I think it's held up I think right. well. I think right about now it's where it should be. Not overrated, not underrated. It's kind of... It's, it's it has, kind of there. It's there. It's where it needs to be. I,
1: I, I think it's... I, I thought... I still think it holds... For me, I think that's a case where... Yeah, you know, because it's just these three characters. Some people have criticized that these characters are annoying. I, yeah, that's for my me, big problem. For it. me, I actually really got into them. Uh, maybe part of it's because because you worked on a wear ton of film. Well, well, no, I mean, I I think I I know those types of people, and I kind of relate to them. Mm. Um, I don't think I'm one of them per se, but I've been around them, and I'm kind of like I care about them. I I feel like they're they're kind of deep down good guys, and and the gal, but. But, you know, they get under a lot of pressure because of these ghosts. Um, witches. Witches. But, but again... It's not called the
0: Blair Ghost Project.
1: No. But, again, that we're not talking about the Blair Witch Project. We're wait a Hold about...
0: on. Can I ask you a question? Please. Did you see Blair Witch 2? Yeah. Oh. Is it terrible? It's not very good.
1: Uh, I haven't seen it since I first saw it in the theater. And then I watched the Nostalgia Critics review, and uh. he it's kind of reminded me how schlocky that movie is. And it's the kind of movie where at the end of it, it's like a character who you thought was just kind of not really doing. It was really the killer all along.
0: It was, it's a Turkey ending and I would have gotten away with it. It was me. I was the
1: Turkey all along. Me. <laughs>
0: all that. right. All let's, right. So let's go on to your activity. last one. Uh, paranormal.
1: Yeah. So you have not seen this movie, but you've probably seen this kind of, format here and there like again it's you know a parent's hat you know this family has moved a- to a new house yeah they moved which to is new somehow
0: house. strung with surveillance equipment
1: well <laughs> not immediately they they set it up oh i think i think i'm the, thinking of the sequels the guy is sort of um not even so much fair, he sets up a camera overnight and gets like a time lapse and then we see like you know
0: like normal people do
1: well, you know, this is this is the way that some people, people acted in 2006. Some,
0: some people uh, criticize found footage films for, you know, the, the contrivance of always having the camera around. I think nowhere is this more contrived than in Paranormal Activity. It, it can get pretty contrived, very much so. And a lot of these movies...
1: Uh, now, I haven't seen all of them you know, because there are a lot of goddamn Paranormal Activity movies. There's another one coming out this month called, and I'm not kidding here, The Ghost Dimension. <laughs> When yes. I first heard that I title, I thought that. that was a joke, and I'm like, no, this is a real movie. Oh God, They're... that's the worst title ever. That's something that like a fifth grader comes up with. That's, that, is that is... I have this new movie
0: called The Ghost Dimension. Is it? <laughs> we can make it into the new Electric Boogaloo. Ah, well, there you go. St- Star Wars Episode Seven, The Ghost Dimension. <laughs> The whole movie
1: is just about the uh, the und. You know what you do? You have a Star Wars movie that's just about the Jedi that died. <laughs> so you have a movie with Ghost Obi Wan and Ghost Yoda and Ghost Anakin. What do they do when they're not visiting uh, and yeah. advising their Jedi uh, padwans? You know,
0: Suspiria Two, the Ghost Dimension. <laughs> La la la
1: la 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 la. Alright, so like right. the, so the, the thing how... about this movie is that the characters kinda suck. I, I I think I realized like when I first watched it, I was kind of into it because I was just like into the We talked about jump scares. Right. This movie has a crap load of jump scares. Yeah and ways that kinda suck. The most effective part of the movie of all things actually I read on the about this that um at the time this movie was made, Steven Spielberg was a main guy at the studio, or he was kind of in charge of certain things, and he was sort of advising this movie. And he, there's a scene in the movie which involved a uh, where this girl gets up and she's just stare, standing there for hours on end. Yeah, and I guess you could think that she's possessed, and you're just watching her in this video as it's fast forwarding in, in time lapse. That's creepy. Yeah, because you're just seeing this woman standing there. That same thing, like in The Innocents. Where you're just seeing this woman stand there out in the reeds. Almost also similar to Halloween, the way that where Jamie Lee Curtis looks out a window and Michael Myers is just there. Yeah. And then she looks away, and then when she looks back, he's gone. Um standing I, like, I love standing in horror movies. Yeah. That's a very nice thing, and that's why when I mentioned it follows, that's a movie where I mean there is a little bit more of like seeing characters walking in the background. But that's what I'm talking about with that being yeah. creepy. Um, with Paranoactivity, there's... You don't that... have to
0: jump around a corner to, no. to creep people out. No,
1: but, and so, in this, it's more about that. And, again, it, characters do stupid movie decisions. You know, again, not turning the camera off when they should. The fact that the, the woman in this house... I'm gonna say the guy's name was Mika. I forget the woman's name. But she's, you know, is getting increasingly more frightened by these things that keep happening to them in the night. Um, and, but he won't put the camera down yeah. so, you know, you can get, become a prisoner of this format. And I, um, I not, not so much me, but when I talk to Corey, she's now at the point where she, she will not go see a movie if it's found footage anymore. <laughs> I think she's been burned too many times. Like there was this movie this summer called the gallows and, oh. uh, yeah, it was this movie that's like in this high school and, uh, you know, there's some kind of. They put on a play years ago, and now they're going to put it on again. And, like, a person really died in, like, a gallows scene. Yeah. And now this guy is killing people with, like, a rope. And it was supposed to be really bad. <laughs> um, but the point is, with Activity again, it's, I think that, it'd be one thing if it had just been another found footage movie. But this became a monster hit. This became, like, audiences were like, ah! They'd all go to the theater, and it would almost, I guess, maybe part of the appeal is that it has, it's like going to Haunted House. Right. Maybe you don't take, and I don't like that, though. I don't want movies to just be Haunted House movies. No. You know, you need to have some character there. Like, you know, I didn't love The Haunting as much as you do, but I will at least say that they did try to give you characters in that oh, movie. Yeah, they
0: did. Well, they gave us characters, certainly. Yeah.
1: Um, I'd say that because I, I need to see The Haunting again. I didn't see that in the best circumstances um, when we first watched it. Um, But the point is, activity. it's... Also, the other thing, too, again, it it all leads up to basically a couple of big jump scares. One of them suggested by Steven Spielberg, by the way. And shame on you, Steven Spielberg. Between that and Transformers (laughs) sequels, you're with me. But... um, As an alternative to that, I would recommend the movie Wreck. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wreck, now that is a found footage movie, but that is where you uh, – very good premise involves a, a newscaster and her uh, cameraman who get caught up in, like, a building with zombies.
0: Now, now here's another thing where normal people would put down the camera. But in yeah. this scene, but in this movie, you don't worry about it. No, because, because they're what's going news People
1: that you want to get as much as you can. You want to document this for you know future people to see what what happened. So you get it's set up pretty well because it, they don't put you immediately into this action. At first, you're just watching like this news report going on, like this right. woman's at this firehouse. But then, oh shit! There's this other thing that's going on. These people are being attacked. Let's go check this out. Oh my god! There's zombies and. Yeah, that tension is really good. And yeah. they actually get into some mythology in the movie, too, uh, yeah. near the end of that. Uh, so you never seen Wreck? Oh, I've seen Wreck. Oh, you have? Okay, yeah, I
0: think I've seen it twice. Okay, uh, I would think uh, but so. But yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, because I mean...
1: our friend Matt Rosen recommended that like to everybody he knew like back in 2008.
0: Yeah, since I was living with him. Then I, I... <laughs>
1: that was the first time that I can remember watching a movie, like a whole movie, on my computer. Hmm. Like, for, you know, because I, I always, you know, for me, you watch a movie on a TV if you're at home. Right. And with that, that was not possible because I forget why, but I couldn't get, like, a downloaded copy of Wreck. So I had to go on... Well, it's
0: a, it's a Spanish film, right? It
1: was originally a movie that didn't... It's now you can watch on DVD or however you want. Right, but there's an original there was, and then it was yeah, remade. Well, it was remade as a movie called Quarantine. Oh, yeah. Which I still haven't seen. The original Wreck, but there was a period of time where it almost had the status as... I'm not going to say like an underground movie, but you could only watch it online. Yeah. And so that's, you know, it's like I watched it with my friends and we all kind of crowd around my kind of crappy computer at the time <laughs> and watched. And I think that, but that added to it in a way as well. Having to watch it in that format. Like if I watched it in a the theater, it would still have been scary, but it wouldn't have had that same impact. Yeah. As, as seeing it as if it's like an internet video. Or something, or a long video. So that's
0: why I always love about found footage movies. You know, I'm a big fan of Cloverfield. Oh, uh, yeah, right. And which thing- I, I'm not
1: gonna say it's overrated, but I would say that's more like how you describe Blair Witch. I think that's in that okay comfortable area. But, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the characters in that, but I think the scares are so good that I can forgive.
0: But here's the thing I love about Cloverfield, which is that I can, I can put myself in a mindset where I can pretend if I'm watching Cloverfield that I have this government disc mm. that I've somehow gotten like smuggled out yeah, and I can just watch the, like the secret footage of when the monster attacked New York city yeah, and I can put myself in my mind, in that mindset. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm, i and it's this, I think it's, there's a, it's this sort of phenomenon where if you can, where the movie presents itself as, you know, as the found footage. Now, sometimes it does that very well. Like Blair Witch or Wreck, yeah. sometimes it does it very poorly, like Paranormal Activity. Yeah, but uh, or the Gallows. Mm. But I think Cloverfield does it pretty well, and uh, and that's part of the reason why I love it. And okay. Giant monsters. So right. On. But uh, yeah. so um, yeah. So if you guys uh, and gals out
1: there, if you I have ha- one
0: more. Oh, one more movie? Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Man. I talked about two movies. I I feel like you talked about more. Well, th- don't worry about it. All right. Well, what was the okay, other one?
0: The last one is the Howling.
1: Okay. So what what what, what problems do you have with this one? Because I, right. I kind of like this movie. When well you, you've talked about it on the podcast too, by the way.
0: I right. Think. The Howling is a, is a werewolf film about uh it start uh, D about ju- right about a journalist investigating a colony of people who are trying to trying this new age living and they turn out to be a colony of werewolves. Okay. And at first, this film declares, like, right up front on the DVD cover, oh, one of the best werewolf movies ever made. And... <laughs> it does... You know what's funny? Uh, Joe
1: Dante actually talked about this in the documentary, that it's uh, it's a little... It, I guess it's a little subversive in the way that it tries to hide that it's a, it's a werewolf movie for part of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't start out with werewolves. Uh, but, I mean, that, that's kind of... The whole... It's called The Howling, for God's sake. What, yeah. what else howls?
1: Yeah, what would you think that this this is... That's like... You know what, you know what I'm talking... I'm sorry, I, I mistook. That it was in the marketing that they tried to hide that this was a werewolf movie. Really, Like, in the trailer, they tried not to show that much of the werewolf. I think because this came out either right before American Werewolf in London or something like that. Because I think what Joe Dante talked about was, like, the studio was a little bit worried that people would wouldn't take werewolves very seriously as a horror thing Mm -hmm. that it's not like an actual person killing people. It's like a monster, like as if monster movies have fallen out of favor over time, but we're going to try to kind of smuggle in this monster. (laughs) But again, but as you just said, though, if it's called the howling, what would you think it's about?
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) And, you know, it declares right up front, you know, best, uh, best film about werewolves. And I just found so much of it to be contrived.
1: Hmm, see, I don't know. See, for me, I found that, like, you know, when she goes to this colony, like her do- like the main character's doctor told yeah. her to go to this colony, and, uh, you know, she's having all these therapy sessions, and uh, I found that part kind of intriguing to me. But I then, thought like, there was kind the, of a satirical are... element involved with, like, a cult.
0: Right, but the, the, then there are these friends who are trying to investigate uh, on their own. Like, the, the whole thing is based on, like, the report has been tracking down this serial killer who, who ostensibly dies in the first reel of the film, mm. but then they're still doing research. And then they're like, someone gets an inkling that they are werewolves and they're just, then ha- they go to a shop of like supernatural stuff, which just so happens to have silver bullets. Mm. And it just, uh, it never approached any real heights of, Oh, this is a really good werewolf movie.
1: Hmm. It's I not as
0: good as American Werewolf
1: in London, but I will it, say that, but, and, and it, I here's think, the, it, but I still think that there are enough moments where... I actually thought it was a very funny movie <laughs> at points. So I, I was kind of laughing quite a bit, I never, or, or at least it sprouted enough from time to time to make it engaging
0: in that way. And here's the thing with me. Okay. Like What usually, is, it with, what is it with you? You know, we're supposed to suggest an alternative here. I can't think of a werewolf movie that I've ever liked. Really, the Wolfman is totally underwhelming. American Werewolf
1: Well, I haven't I haven't seen the full Wolfman movie, but when I watched the Welcome to the Basement review, it seemed kind of lame. Yeah, I mean but, I've, so, I've seen the Wolfman. So you don't think American Werewolf in London is a good alternative?
0: It's, it's American Werewolf in London has a good story and good elements, but uh, I, as I said earlier, the dialogue is crap. I I can't uh, like people say lines that don't, that don't make much sense and they're poorly written. And like, no matter like no matter how good of an actor Griffin Dunn is, or the guy who plays the main character, there are just, they just say things that just sound so phony and I can't get past it. I, I, I haven't. I don't know about that. I well, thought it was
1: pretty, well, I guess not.
0: Um, <laughs> well, I, well, I, I mean, will
1: admit that there aren't a lot. It feels like in the hard genre, I mean, you could you throw a rock and you hit a vampire movie, right? Were, werewolf movies are not that common, and they're usually pre, yeah they're usually pretty bad or they get mixed up like they put the werewolves
0: versus vampires.
1: Well, yeah, underworld movies or when I was a teenager, uh, they put out American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah. Which you want to talk about you want to talk about problems with American Werewolf in London? See American Werewolf in Paris, my friend, <laughs> and that is a silly ass goddamn movie. I, I think,
0: think if John Landis at like. Had had just said to, like given given the script another pass and been like all right does this sound right you know what it wasn't that bad actually what sorry um Wolf with Jack Nicholson <laughs> actually yeah
1: Oh it wasn't that bad I have to, I have yet to see yeah that. check out Wolf with Jack Nicholson uh that it pokes a little bit of fun but in like a kind of mature way
0: like cause Teen directed... Wolf all right Wolf. I was a teenage werewolf <laughs> how about um Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs>
1: um how much better would oh oh, no no no, the the remake of the wolfman (laughs) all right with with benicio Benicio Del del toro that is actually not a bad movie it's not great but they do a pretty good job of making a serious horror movie some of it's a little generic but benicio del toro is a is much i think probably better than lon chaney uh you could say lon chaney jr (laughs) <laughs> I, you know what? I'm gonna pose this question when I post this on social media because I'm curious to hear from any of our listeners what what are some good werewolf movies? I know
0: there there's like a werewolf there's a werewolf movie where like uh, soldiers become werewolves. What was that called? Werewolf Dogs familiar? of
1: War or Do- I still need to see that Dog Soldiers. Dog it's Soldiers. Neil Marshall's first movie. You know what? Probably my favorite kind of werewolf type story is is not in film. It's in a it's not like, a it's a, it's an off and on plot line, but on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Seth Green was a werewolf, and uh, there's a bit of romance there. Um, do you think it's not possible to
0: make a good werewolf movie? It's certainly possible. I mean, the werewolf, I, he's a it's cursed a great, man who a kills, who's very likely to kill the people he loves, or she loves, for that matter. Mm-hmm. That's the one good thing about The Haunting. The ending scene you, of The, the Haunting. Haunt, the Haunting or The Howling? Sorry, The Howling. Thank you. All right. See if they had called it the haunting, then no the one would have of the it. end of the haunt, the howling is great. It is a pretty clever scene at the end. Yeah, where I... where she's on TV, right? Right, exactly. And okay, that was kind of clever, but everything that had come before it really didn't seem to be doing anything original mm. with with werewolves. All right. And I I was really s- severely disappointed in the howling.
1: Yeah, see, I I, I like the howling quite a bit. I, I've I...
0: been disappointed with werewolves all the time. Maybe it's a werewolf thing. Maybe I just, maybe pe- maybe the werewolf just doesn't have any appeal to me. Mm. I feel like you can do a lot with werewolves, but I but I just feel maybe there's a movie that hasn't done that yet.
1: Maybe, maybe. There's also another movie which I haven't seen called Silver Bullet, which is based on a Stephen King story called uh, Cycle of the Werewolf. Mm. I probably need to see that. Um, yeah, But one thing, I was, I was kind of smiling about this. It's not really a werewolf movie, but I kind of feel like that... <laughs> That one sequence in, uh, or it's a couple scenes in altered states where uh, <laughs> William Hurt gets out of the sensory deprivation oh, yeah. tank, and he's an ape man. Yeah, that's kind of like a werewolf movie for a few minutes. <laughs> it, almost, almost. <laughs> or All an right. ape man movie. But All I'll right. st-
0: I'll stop I'll stop whining now, and we can uh, look forward to next week. What's on your docket for next week? Um, more horror movies. Me too.
1: And uh, also the new, uh, speaking of which, the new Guillermo del Toro movie comes out. And uh, we always got to support him because he's uh, one of our truly great filmmakers. And, if,
0: and if he does well, he's probably going to make Pacific Rim too. So go buy a ticket. Maybe. Um, his, the latest
1: thing he said on his Twitter, uh, which you should all follow because he has a very entertaining Twitter. Um. He said that uh, he's weighing on the next draft of the script and the budget's ready, but the studio has to give it a green light. All right. So we'll see what happens. Um, Certainly I would like a Pacific Rim sequel more than, you know, like Transformers. Yeah. You know, because we're going to get a lot of those anyway, but at least with Pacific Rim 2, I would say that that would balance out some of the bad schlock. At least you have good schlock like Pacific Rim. All
0: so right. If we can agree um, on that, I think we can live together, yeah, So,
1: Jack. Yeah, so a lot of horror movies. Um. Probably watch The Name of the Rose for reasons that you'll hear about
0: soon on the podcast. Anything for you? Uh, A few more horror films. I'm going to try to... I'm probably not going to finish my list by the end of October, but I've also got basically every Luis Buñuel film ever made on in my house right now. Really? Well, all right, maybe not all of them. Well,
1: but, he uh, has a lot of movies that I just... I went through a period where I was trying to watch like everything I could from him, but in the '50s he made a lot of movies in Mexico that you just okay, can't I'm not, get in the US. I'm probably not going to see any of those. No, well, I'm going to see the big you ones. You saw you saw the ones from the '60s and '70s. Yeah.
0: I, I'm going to watch Viridiana and Discreet Charm of the exterminating Boushi, angel. Exterminating hey, angel. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait! You've seen Discreet Charm, haven't you? Yeah, but I'm going to see it again. Good.
0: Uh, that obscure object of desire. Let me know when you uh, wanna, Phantom of Liberty. Let me
1: know when you're going to watch that. I wouldn't mind maybe checking that out again. Which I one? have it at home, too.
0: D- 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 uh, obscure- Discreet Charm. No, oh. not Discreet Charm. Obscure obscure Object.
1: Yeah. They all have the same title, don't they? <laughs> <laughs>
0: but that's what I'm looking at. I'm hoping it'll help me inspire me for National Novel Writing Month.
1: Okay. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, now, uh, for those of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts about the horror movies that we talked about, if you want to tell us that we're damned fools you want to praise us for saying this thing was overrated or if you have any other suggestions uh you can email uh wages gmail.com or send a message or p- post a comment on the wages of cinema facebook page um you can also reach me on twitter at jack gatinella um, you can reach andrew by ham radio or telekinesis maybe telekinesis is preferred <laughs> Andrew's not on social media that much, but uh, but you can find us anyway that you'd like. And if you are subscribing to us on iTunes, uh, please uh, feel free to maybe write a review, give us some feedback. Yeah, uh, reviews help-,
0: help us become more visible. The more reviews we have, the better. Yes. Uh, so please give us a star rating, write a few words on what on how much you like us, and that would be a great help. Indeed.
1: And uh, and so with that, I'm Jack. And I'm Andrew. And uh, maybe we should we could say it at the same time. Okay.
0: The The wages of cinema is death. Good
1: night.